When it comes to hydration for my training and competition, I use Prepped, the world's first resistant starch hydration formula. Prep primes me before exercise and recovers me after, enhancing fluid uptake and minimizing fluid loss. Prepped helps me run faster, longer, and stronger. It's my secret weapon and it can be yours too. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, Prep can help you reach your goals and stay hydrated. In actual fact, I know the Prep team are committed to helping any athlete tick off their bucket list events and say, what's next? Not never again. Visit prepthydration.com.au to try for yourself today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. Hi, I'm Izzy Bardoel and I want you to join me for a limited series on the past, present and future of Australian women's marathoning. The guests are Australia's best marathoners, with each of the seven episodes featuring an in-depth conversation with Aussie running royalty, from Benita Willis to Sinead Diver and more. We unpack their training, the ups and downs of their careers and what makes each of these athletes special. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting to someone I've looked up to for a long time and still do, Jess Stenson. Thanks for making the time today, Jess. Now I'm looking forward to our chat. It feels funny, actually, knowing that you're just up the road and we're <laughs> looking at each other through a screen. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, you know, catching up in person would be more fun, but, yeah, we'll get the audio all, all sorted. That's by right. <laughs> so we, we prolonged the podcast um, recording because you've had some pretty ex- exciting announcements recently and wanted to really dive deep and chat about everything openly. So you've just announced a couple of weeks ago that you're pregnant with your second child, which is super exciting. <laughs> Um, and you've also moved on to a new sponsor with Lululemon. Can you talk us uh, through, yeah, what's been going on the last couple of weeks and months? Yeah, sure. Well, I found out actually on the morning of um, the World Cross Country Trials at Stromlo that um, we were pregnant, which is, or I was pregnant, which was very exciting. It was funny. I was planning to to race in Canberra, had my um, flight booked for early on Saturday morning and Anyway, on Friday night, um, just was having some gut troubles and things didn't feel quite right. At 3 a.m. on Saturday morning, I decided to take a pregnancy test. <laughs> and um, yeah, the the two lines came up, um, which were used to being a bad thing through COVID. But in this case, it was very <laughs> exciting. Um, went and woke up Dill, told him and messaged my coach straight away and just said, ah, I don't think I should go to the trials now. And uh, yeah, so... So that was very um, just, I guess, a lot to to take in and, and very exciting for us. And it's always hard when you, you can't really share or you're not comfortable sharing that news uh, early on, but it was nice to be able to put it out there a few weeks ago. And, and same with the case with Lululemon, um, new partner, which uh, I'm really looking forward to working with them. And, uh, yeah, it was, that again, it was nice to be able to share that because um, it was a, couple of months in the making, they um, wanted to do the announcement in line with the release of one of their um, running um, products, a, a pair of running shorts. So that's why there was a bit of a delay there. Yeah, no, it's such an exciting time for you. And being, you know, close to you, I've been lucky to call your friend and, you know, teammate and a mentor for, for quite a few years. And having you and Billy pop by our coffee shop, the run house, uh, <laughs> pretty often, it's been really nice to to see you quite a lot. And, uh, you know, being close to you, knowing that, um you know, kind of having an inkling that you, that you might be pregnant um, for a little while. It's <laughs> been exciting to have that out in the open, to be able to chat about it. 
um, and to share the excitement with everyone else. And yeah, it was an interesting week because I'd seen you on that Thursday for coffee and you're all set to go to World Cross. <laughs> and when I found out you were, you know, too sick to race, uh, I think were words that Adam used. I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm hoping this is, this is good news. <laughs> he doesn't seem too stressed about my illness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too stressed that she's sick. Um, but yeah, I know we, we missed you out there in the race and, um, you know, we'll definitely miss your presence on the start line over the coming uh, coming few months. But, yeah, really exciting time for you. And I know that uh, Billy is definitely keen to have a younger sibling to play with. So, yeah, very exciting. <laughs> yeah, another regular for the run house going forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Baby Chino's all around. <laughs> yeah, and Lululemon, I think it's, a, it's really cool to see more brands stepping into the running space. And Lulu is certainly making, like, their mark in the running scene and uh, I'm really investing in that. And I love that they're doing, you know, quite a, you know, they've got a very holistic approach to to sport and to everything they do so um, I'm sure they're going to support you really well in you know both your running but also as an ambassador and a you know a, a mum and everything that you do so yeah very very cool and exciting partnership there. Yeah and that's what I really love about the brand too I've admired it um, as an outsider and, and now sort of being in there and, and meeting the team they are just also genuine and they have this passion to to um, move into that more sort of performance running space. So I'm really looking forward to working with the team to um, to make that happen. Mm, I know there's been talk of the Lululemon running shoes, um, you know, for a little while now, and I believe they've got women's out, maybe not men's quite yet, but is, is that a space that you're helping with um, development there too? So they've released their women's jogger in North America and that will be coming to Australia mm -hmm. in the near future too. So, yeah, certainly product development and feedback will be a, a big part of my role. Yeah, well, if they can get their shoes anywhere near as good as the, the products, <laughs> it will be very good. <laughs> um, I thought you could run us through uh, maybe a typical training week in a marathon block and then we also might just kind of chat about how things are looking um, now too, that you're in your second trimester of pregnancy um, and how that changes too. So, yeah, let's just run through um, like a typical marathon training block. So my marathon training approach has evolved over the years. So my first marathon was in 2012. I was pretty um, green um, with marathon running then. So I think my maximum mileage would have been about 150Ks, Um before that race I did in Nagoya in 2012 and that I remember felt like my absolute limit. I was starting to feel really vulnerable at around that point and at risk of injury and as the years went on I progressed my mileage so by 2018 uh, before the Commonwealth Games I think I was up um, some weeks 200 but more around that 180 um, K mark and I remember feeling quite comfortable at around that mark so my training back then was you know, an 80-minute um, run on a Monday morning, 30 to 40 minutes that afternoon with uh, gym. Tuesdays would be some sort of long rep interval session with a 40-minute run at the other end of the day. Wednesdays would be up to an hour 45 in the morning, 30 in the afternoon. Thursdays were another session. It would be like a long tempo run um, or something along those lines with a 40-minute jog. Friday was one hour easy plus gym. Saturday was another little smaller session, might have been some hills and a jog. And then Sunday was the long run day up to two and a half hours. Jumping forward to after um, becoming a mum um, to Billy, 
my marathon training has looked quite different again. So there were a couple of injury challenges there in sort of 2021 and early 2022, um, femoral bone stress injuries. And so I started to incorporate a lot more cross training, which I had been doing a lot of through pregnancy anyway. So my marathon since, um, Billy have involved rather than those double runs, I tend to do maybe an elliptical session instead. And if I did do a double run, it would be max 30 minutes. Um, I now do my interval rep session on a Tuesday, but then my second session on a Friday, that longer tempo type run or a long fartlek. And then rest day, Saturday, Sundays, um, a long run with a bit more to it. So there might be some 1k efforts towards the end of it or I might gradually pick up the pace in the final half an hour and my mileage would max at about 165k's these days in a marathon block and that just feels like the right amount for me. Uh, 15 weeks pregnant I can go through a week of training (laughs) yeah that's quite different. (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure it does. Yeah I think that's really interesting to hear the progression and I'm you know I'm sure a lot of people as they um, you know as they go through different points in their career and they and they try different things and have injury setbacks or whatnot, they they do adapt and, and change. And it's it's good to hear you found something that works um you know works better for you. And um I love the elliptical. I think it's a great way to get some extra um aerobic efforts in but not feel like you're you know vulnerable in your feet and lower legs and um and that sort of yeah. thing. And it's interesting to hear I think quite a few people have gone from that three sessions a week um model to doing the two a week and really making that um, you know, that Friday session a bit bigger or, as you said, putting some intensity into the Sunday long run. So, yeah. yeah. It's funny because for our squad it was COVID that prompted it. Mm. With less races on the calendar, uh, we decided to just dial it back and do the two sessions and people started actually really reaping the rewards yeah. and, uh, and actually um, performing better off that. So we just haven't really changed that model. With the elliptical train, I find it's a different stimulus and it actually um, I think is better for performance in some Mm. ways. I certainly find it helps me to activate my posterior chain Mm. muscles and I can really drive through my glutes and um, I think your body can become a bit numb to the (laughs) jogging and I just like the way the elliptical changes things up a bit. Yeah, definitely. I find that, um, you know, going for a 30 minute run, you, you often don't even get your heart rate above 130 and, you know, you're kind of a bit sluggish running at that I don't know, close to five minute pace I go. And on the elliptical, I actually feel like it's definitely a bit harder, <laughs> even yeah. though you don't, you don't get that same kind of whack on your legs. So yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. And I think more and more athletes are starting to incorporate that into their training. Mm. And is has strength stayed pretty consistent for you over the years? Like, has that always been something you've, you've kept in your routine? Interestingly, it's something that I dropped uh, once I'd given birth. I spent the first probably two months really focusing on it because I had a, um, C-section, Billy was in breach and I just felt like I completely lost my abdominal support. So I really had to focus on getting that back. But once I ticked that box and was back into running, I just felt time poor, energy poor. And so I was um, focusing or prioritising my running and let the strength go. And that first bone stress injury came around about 15 months Mm -hmm. after giving birth. I, I put it down to a few things and implemented some changes but still wasn't very consistent with my strength um, when I sustained pretty much the same injury um, in early 2022 I realized that I needed to get stronger so 
incorporated just two um, strength and conditioning sessions a week with some box jumps and a few plyometric things just to put some different forces through my bones and started bringing back, you know, strides after some of my jogs and even was doing some grapevine and dodging just to, you know, get a bit of um, change of direction in there and different forces through my bones. So I've actually found that all to be so beneficial and, (laughs) you know, in hindsight, I wouldn't have let gym go in the first place, but I was just finding it hard to fit everything in and and prioritise the running over strength and conditioning yes often I've heard that so many times you know gym is the first thing to go for a runner normally but it it can be the most important thing and um yeah I've definitely found that recently with with my own my own niggles so yeah both let's just keep keep up the gym (laughs) it's not necessarily what runners love to do but if it enables you to run then it's it's worth it (laughs) yeah definitely um what would you say that your favorite day of the week or favorite session of the week would be in a in a training block I love the Sunday long run. Yeah. I, I always have. It's the social outlet, the the style of run where I feel like it's sort of playing to my strengths and particularly when you're getting into that marathon phase and you, you get to wind it up at the end, maybe throw on your race flats. I love that. And then probably second to that is those marathon-focused sessions where you really you get a bit nervous for it, um, mm. you head out there and, you've got your gels and you practice your hydration and nutrition and uh, it's just so rewarding to finish those sessions. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, Elise, favourite then? Uh, anything involving sort of 400 reps. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. That real speed. Even just like a deeps quarters, those sorts of mm. sessions, I find them pretty rough. Hate them. <laughs> <laughs> True marathoner. <laughs> So we actually were introduced by a family friend um, who worked at the school you went to, um, and I think we were on a state team together back in my early running days when you were someone that, you know, I really idolised um, as a young girl. And I remember we had coffee together at Falls Creek, which must have been 2016 before Rio. Um, so I feel I feel very grateful that you've taken the time over the years to, uh, you know, chat to a, a, you know, a younger runner like myself. And um, I'm sure there are many girls and, and young women out there who, um, could say the same that they they've looked up to you and really appreciate that you've given them the time of day. You're definitely um, you know, such a great role model to a lot of younger women. So thank you, Jess, for for being one of my role models. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. I really enjoyed that morning at Falls Creek. I remember it so well. <laughs> we went up and did a is it the Mackay? Yeah, Hills? Mackay Hills, yeah. Together. And I just yep. remember you saying how much you just loved the long runs and you just wanted to be able to run more. And yeah. maybe you'll be a marathon one day. <laughs> yeah, I was very keen. <laughs> very green and keen. And uh yeah, so I guess going back to the start for you, you grew up in Narracourt, um, in South Australia and went to boarding school in Adelaide um from year ten and then studied physiotherapy here in Adelaide and you played lots of sports, basketball, netball. You've got a very sporty family, um, as we know, with your brother playing AFL and your sister playing netball. Funnily enough, I was looking up on Wikipedia, and I'm not sure who added this into your wiki bio because I don't think it's true. But it Is said, it, it said she, she participated in wrestling from the age of nine oh. to the age of 21. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I've been brought up on this? that a few times. I've got no idea because I know... Some of the guys from my squad at one point put in like a long jump PB that wasn't, yeah. wasn't I, true. I, I went straight to thinking, will be your Andy or something yeah. like that. <laughs> no, that I, um, 
<laughs> I don't know where that came yeah, from. I need that, to figure out how to edit it. That, that stumped me. I was reading it and I said to Riley, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, I, I saw that, you you know, you made your first state team um, in year seven and, and you won gold there. Was was that the first time that you thought that running could be something that, um, you know, you were good at and that you'd like to pursue? It's interesting. That was a really cool year, actually. So the year 2000 cross country was at Yarra Bend and I think Steve Monaghetti and Lee Troop and those sorts of athletes were there. And it was my first uh, national team and Grenville Wood. So mm-hmm. Casey's dad was the coach. And I remember walking the course the day beforehand and he was like, okay, there's some hills here. You've just got to let go down the hill and giving us tips. And I was so nervous. I I felt sick in the week leading up and didn't sleep very well. And once the gun fired and we were out there, I remember loving it. I pushed myself really hard. I felt quite sick when I crossed the line and, you know, my breathing was all over the place, but I was just so excited to win that gold medal. I remember my family was there watching and it was it was quite a buzz. I probably thought that was going to be the pinnacle of my running. I didn't see that it would get better uh, than that and um yeah it's interesting I think at that point in my life netball was still a big passion and I was really hoping I might be able to play for the Adelaide Thunderbirds <laughs> one day I, I did see running as a very individual sport and growing up in a country town everything on the weekends it was all netball and football and uh that was sort of yeah, where where I saw myself um, rather than being a, a runner. But as the years went on, more opportunities presented in running and and I'm so glad that I did follow that path. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had some, um, I guess, years where running wasn't your main focus um, through uni and you said you're playing, playing netball still. Um, but in 2008, you started being coached by Adam Diddick, who's still your coach, and um, you came second at Zadapec. And then I think you won the national cross country and, competing in the world um, half marathon champs um, after that. So you, you certainly, you know, made some quick progressions in the sport once you took it a bit more seriously. Yeah, so 2008 was um, when I turned 21 and I remember at my 21st, that's when I sort of said, okay, I'm going to stop playing netball and see where I can go with my running. And Adam was very new to coaching then. And I'm really fortunate that whilst he was a new coach, he was – really smart and just made gradual progression so I got to enjoy that kind of ongoing improvement as my training progressed I found that really motivating and that um you know Zatapec year was exciting I again remember feeling so nervous for that but the race that I loved was my debut half marathon on the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. in 2010 I just remember going into it really uh, with a very open mind and feeling like I'd found my event out on the roads and then to travel to Nanning for the World Half Marathon Championships. That was the first um, time I'd ever met Benita Willis, who was a long-term hero of mine. So that trip was a bit of a game changer. It really opened my eyes to the world of elite running, um, racing for your country, and I was hungry for more after that. Mm, yeah, so you, your first half marathon on the Gold Coast was one twelve forty eight. So a great debut, and I guess that's probably why you um you kind of opted to to go with the road running pretty early on in in your career. You would say um you know you were quite young to go up to the marathon when you did um, in the next couple of years in in twenty twelve. I think you were, were twenty four. And I think that was purely because um, it was an Olympic year, and mm. 
I had this Olympic dream and uh, I'd spoken with uh, Sean Crichton and Rob DiCostella at this event in Canberra and they were saying, we've got Benita and Lisa have qualified for the marathon. There's one mm-hmm. spot up for grabs. Would you consider doing a marathon? And that's when I came back and said to Adam, like, what do you think? And he said, well, I think that's going to be your event. So why yeah, wait? Well. Let, let's yeah. have a crack now. What What have you got to lose? So. Yeah, because looking back on your results, like you know, you have done a bit of track running over the years, but you, you pretty quickly went from 2010 um, in the half and and kept going at that. And obviously, some regular appearances there at Zadapeg at the end of the year. And um, I saw in in 2011, you had some good half marathon results, second at the Gold Coast, first in, at Melbourne, and um, you know, PB at Zadapeg that year. So you were making progress uh, all round. But yeah, that that road running scene really stuck out to you. Um, and, and, and 2012 had that calling of the Olympics coming up, which is a, a great reason to to really go after it. Yeah, I wasn't breaking any records on the track with my 218, 800. <laughs> <laughs> That's my PB still from 2012, 218. <laughs> uh, I did see it though. You did World Cross Country in Spain in, in 2011. So, you you know, you definitely had some variety um, in, in racing and, and, you know, while, while people may look at you now and say, you know, she's a pure marathoner, um, you, you've definitely ticks and boxes across the board representing Australia at World Cross Country as well. Yeah, that was a pretty heartbreaking year for me because I'd won the National Cross in 2010 and then went to my first Eckerdon Relay. I remember it was just a really busy year of racing, the World Half Champs, and went to the um, World Cross Trials early in 2011 after a bit of a break and just underperformed there and didn't get selected for the World Cross team initially. And I was shattered because that had been a big goal of mine and... I was selected as a reserve, someone was injured and I actually ended up um, going on that trip. But I just remember a period of being really shattered and um, wondering, you know, was it all worth it? I hadn't made this Australian team that I'd been aiming for. So it's funny to look back on that time in my career and it was just, yeah, a lot of... um, I was with my sister when I got the phone call to say I hadn't been selected and it just it absolutely broke me. <laughs> mm, yeah, I didn't actually realise that. Just, you know, it shows mm. you just what results can show, um, just the tip of the iceberg and there's yeah. a, lot, a lot underneath <laughs> that. But I can imagine that, you know, you got a year before the Olympics, you, you're pretty heightened to your performances and, and uh, maybe getting a little bit, um, you know, uh, engrossed in your results too when it's kind of coming up to a yeah. big thing like that too. Well, and for me, I thought that was probably going to be the biggest thing I'd mm. ever achieve in my career would be to make that world cross team. I thought it was like my one opportunity and I'd, I'd missed it. So, yeah. So much more to come. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> so you touched on it before, but in 2012, uh, you ran your first marathon um, at the Nagoya Marathon in March. You debuted at 2.31.02, which at the time was the fastest marathon on debut, and this selected you for the London Olympics later that year. That must have been a pretty incredible experience. It was. I remember being really excited about the marathon, and it wasn't until a week beforehand that it all kind of hit me, and suddenly I I started panicking, thinking, like, this is such a long way. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'd reached out to a few people to get some tips on nutrition, but, again, just felt like I, yeah, had so much to learn, and Adam and I travelled over to Japan together. It is a big cultural um, shock when you arrive and there's limited English spoken and you're a bit nervous about the course and, and what it's all going to look like on race day. 
initially I was um, in maybe like a priority start or something, not up the front, and we were very fortunate on the day to meet someone who uh, managed one of the paces and and he helped me to actually get into the area with the um, elite girls, which which made a huge difference, just being able to start, you know, towards the front of the field and and even just in those hours leading up to the race when you're really nervous, being able to meet some of those women. And uh, I remember feeling, you know, really good in the first half and then it all started kind of catching up and I was feeling muscles that I'd never felt before and didn't really know whether I was on um, pace because uh, I'd written my splits on my hand. It was freezing and I'd worn gloves but at 34-ish Ks when there's a hill, which you'd know about. Yeah, um, I, do, I do know. Adam, <laughs> Adam was standing there and he, he yelled out that I was on pace and I just remember feeling so almost like, you know, had goosebumps of excitement realising that I might actually um, achieve this big goal of mine and found my way to the, the finish line in Nagoya Stadium and, yeah, it really was a dream come true. I it changed my trajectory um, sort of for, yeah, <laughs> the rest of my career that, that debut. So it was a cool experience for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's amazing how one race can kind of change your whole perspective and I guess change the course of your career. And, yeah, I could definitely resonate with everything you said for the first time experience. Um, yeah, definitely ha- how I felt. And I think it's it's good in hindsight to have that kind of real uh, openness and excitement for the event. Um, and, and the more you get into it, you kind of the more you, you know what to expect. And like, that does build confidence but also that naivety is something that um you know you can kind of really enjoy first time around that's right yeah uh so following that you went to the olympics in 2012 um where you came 39th and i think your time here really shows how consistent you've been over the years you ran 231 17 which is you know 15 seconds slower than what you debuted at so a very consistent performer um especially when you're running for australia you seem to be able to really really pour it out so yeah, how was that first time Olympic experience for you in London? It was incredible. I went into it really hoping to learn as much as I could because at that point I was thinking I'd like to hopefully continue in this sport for a long time. Hopefully this will be, um, you know, an Olympic experience that can teach me that might set me up for a future Olympic experience. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I had the fortune of being on a team with Benita Willis and, yeah. and also Lisa Waitman. The village and all of the excitement was as amazing as I thought it would be. Probably what shocked me at that first Olympics was the disappointment that you see as well. So people around you, um, there'll be the the people who win or achieve PBs, but also some who come back really disappointed. And it kind of just hit me that it's it's a long time between Olympics and to think that that two weeks of competition will justify sort of everything. It's... Um, yeah, that would put a lot of pressure on any athlete. So I, I sort of thought if I want to stay in this sport and aim for the next Olympics, I really need to make sure I'm enjoying the process and be working with good people and celebrate the little achievements along the way. So at that young age, I learned some really important lessons at that Olympics. Race day was incredible, but also overwhelming. I remember mid-race having a bit of a panic attack. It was at about 13 Kays just suddenly felt almost a bit dizzy and having like a bit of an out-of-body experience, just realising there were cameras everywhere, people everywhere. There was nowhere to 
have a break. It was just deep crowds um, lining the entire course and managed to pull myself um, back into it and focus. But that really scared me so early in the race to be feeling like everything was spiralling out of control. So, uh, yeah, it, as I said, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I, were you 24 or 25 at that Games? 24, uh, my birthday's in August, so it okay. depends which side of yeah. my birthday it was. It's yeah. always pretty close. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, pretty young for, you know, that first-time experience, uh, about the same age. I was a bit, a little bit older, but, um, yeah, and I think that London was, from what I've heard, like the most incredible games that people have um, ever been to, who've been to a few, you know, so many people there and just so much um, going on. It would have been pretty overwhelming for someone who, you know, had just qualified and was kind of finding their feet in the sport and in this new event. Um, but, yeah, great to have people like Benita and Lisa around you who, who'd been there before and I'm sure they looked after you well. That's what I loved about it, just the whole team aspect. We prepared in Tombridge beforehand and I really enjoyed uh, getting to know the other Australian athletes and, you know, the, the continuity you get at, you know, future championships, getting to hang out with those same people again and build relationships. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the following year you did the 2013 World Champs. Um, in That was in Moscow in Russia. That would have been yeah. an interesting experience to travel to. It was, and that was actually my first really warm marathon. Okay. It was run at 1 p.m. Oh, wow. And it was just humid and there were a lot of girls dropping out throughout the race, so that was pretty confronting. And I think I finished 11th. Yeah, you were 11th there. Yeah, and, yeah, just felt really unwell afterwards, which is natural in the heat and preparing for the heat. It was a, a new experience. So I was pretty fortunate early on to get to experience racing in some different uh, conditions. But um, Moscow was... Certainly an, an eye-opener, uh, again, a bit of a cultural shock, but uh, I came away from that championship, um, you know, I guess with a bit of confidence because I'd been able to work my way through the field in the race. Mm, yeah, definitely. When I saw the time, 2.37, I expected that that, that meant <laughs> it was, you know, a, a bit of a more challenging um, conditions. And I think that that's what we get a lot of the time with the um, the World Champs Marathon being in, in August in Europe. It just tends to be... Um, not ideal conditions and certainly if they run it at one in the afternoon I mean yeah <laughs> surely there's a better time TV rights or something yeah. <laughs> but yeah as you said like a great experience and and really the marathon is a race of attrition and and yeah it would have been challenging with people dropping out around you but um, I guess you, you proved to yourself that um, you know you had the determination to stay in it um, and and finish the race even in those conditions and, and really 11th is an incredible finish yeah it was um Again, I think that was my first World Championships, which is a bit different to a uh, an Olympics and a Commonwealth Games because you're just with around, you know, athletics mm -hmm. people. And, again, it was an opportunity to really, like, consolidate some friendships within the Aussie team as well, which was good. Yeah, and the following year you were back to Nagoya Marathon in Japan uh, where you debuted two years before um, and you ran agonisingly close to the time you ran um, on the first go, 2.31.23, um, placing 11th there. How, how was it going back um, to, you know, where you'd had that first dream run and, and experiencing the course again? That was my first setback, I'd say, the marathon. I, I went into that race with high hopes and unfortunately had um, a gastro bug in the week. Uh. 
leading up, which made the carb loading and just fueling really challenging. I remember I still felt great for the first 25Ks and then really battled to the finish line, was quite disappointed and I think a couple of weeks later got a stress fracture Mm. in my um, foot. So that was just a bit of a a rough trot um, through there. But still, I I remember being proud that I'd got through uh, the race, but probably just running a bit depleted led to this injury, um, which made for a bit of a different build-up to the 2014 Com Games, which in hindsight I'm really glad um, I had that because it taught me uh, how to cross-train and it was the first time I'd ever incorporated any, um, well, training other than running in a marathon prep, which has obviously been very useful later on in my career. Yeah, usually the first time around for an injury, it's it's challenging, but it certainly teaches you a lot. And if you can implement that into your training over the years, um, then that one setback can maybe be a blessing in disguise. And and look, you know, I, I know you said it was a challenging day and you wanted more from yourself in that run, but still qualifying for the Com Games and, and getting a, a time on the board um, to put you in the position to, to go to the Games and to um, to run a PB there of 2.30.12 um, and win the bronze medal um, really, I guess, made up for that slight disappointment in that race in Nagoya. Yeah, it was... Uh, definitely a very rewarding result because of the challenges in the lead up. I was fortunate to have my brother Jack as a real mentor through that phase where I was I was like doing um sitting on a fitball boxing, I was doing some rowing ergo stuff, um training in the pool, eventually on the elliptical. So certainly had a diverse cross-training experience, but just (laughs) mentally I was struggling with the idea that I had this marathon coming up and I was training in such a different way. And Jack really taught me the value in setting just little daily goals and challenges for myself, which is something that I've applied to my, I guess, approach going forward as well, those little um, process goals. So it taught me a lot and went into the race I don't know, again, I was feeling pretty just open-minded. I felt like, yep, my prep's been really different, but maybe it's it's made me stronger in some areas. So when I moved into the bronze medal position um, and then coming down the home straight that day, I remember just bursting into tears. Like it was just all of these months of kind of angst and, and stress and then suddenly it sort of resulted in something um, that – was really positive and that's the most emotional I've ever been at a finish line. Yeah, yeah definitely with all the struggle that you've been through. How, how um, long before the Games were you kind of, um, were you ever able to get back into like what you yeah. say normal training or were you kind of going all the way up to the Games managing that? No, we got some, um, I'd have to go back and look, uh, definitely got running in. Uh, I think I was using the Ultra G treadmill mm-hmm. initially and then was able to sneak in a few key marathon sessions. They were just modified and yeah. rather than double runs, I was doing cross training. So I was definitely able to run in but the certainly not, not full training though, like not what you'd be. No, it might have been three or four weeks of like heavier mm. running. It was just, it was different. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes, as you said, different can be good. Like it's all, you know, consistency is, is key and, and getting weeks and months and years together, but um, sometimes doing the same thing over and over, like, you know, you kind of start to plateau or or not really um, change and, and throwing something different in, even if it's cross-training or having a different stimulus can kind of boost you in a different way. Mm. The following year you did uh, well cross-country again 
um yeah what was that experience like kind of did you did you make the team this time around or this was in 2015 yeah in china yeah uh yeah that was a, a tough i remember finding that run really challenging um I think Courtney Power from our team did really well yeah okay. I personally yeah <laughs> I think it was 69th or something out there it was it was a tough day um yeah. but those cross-country races when oh, it is so tough hard. definitely show you what you're capable of you know in those dark moments in a race so it was a, a fun trip overall and it probably you know um, was a good platform for my training going forward and, and yeah. what I was aiming for that year in trying to post a marathon qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympics. So I'd actually relocated to Melbourne for that year mm-hmm. to focus on that goal and get a bit of a different um, living experience, worked as a physio uh, over there and it was, yeah, it's pretty fun and exciting year actually. Yeah, tell us more about Melbourne actually. So, uh, yeah, 2015 was the year you were over there. Um, yeah, I guess how was the training training change there and I guess having different training partners and just different places to run, did it kind of revitalise you in, in a way? Yeah, it was good. So my brother was playing for the Demons at the time and he was based in Elwood. So I moved in with a family who he'd been living with in Elwood, which was a great place to be based. Adam was still setting my um, training, but Craig Mottram was helping me um just on the ground and um, finding training partners for me. So I did a lot of my sessions around sort of Albert Park, the Tan, um, and was doing my gym at the VIS, which was a really cool setup. I loved um, the opportunity to train on the track, jump in the ice bath afterwards and just have everything there and did a lot of my jogs uh, along the coast, uh, sort of down towards Brighton and really enjoyed the change of scenery and just a year of growth gen- generally having mm-hmm. to navigate a new city and um, got to hang out a lot more with my brother but also some of the girls that I've met through running over the years like Georgie Clark and Kel Hetherington. It was yeah. really fun seeing more of them. Yeah, it's nice to have a, a change in, um, you know, change in lifestyle for a little while. And that year you went to the Peyton Jordan um, 10K over in the States and ran a almost a minute PB um, to run 32.17, which I believe still stands as your track PB. Um, and then you ended up doing the Melbourne Marathon, winning it in 2.27.45. So certainly, um, you know, a good, a great year all round. Yeah, Peyton Jordan, that was fun. We went over and did a Flagstaff training trip after Peyton Jordan. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed that um, and did a half marathon, I think, at the end of it came back and had some San Diego yeah San Diego half I had some mixed results after that um in I think National Cross and City to Surf I don't think those races went all that well but um was really pleased with that Melbourne marathon Mm. well sometimes when you're training for a marathon like you know you can't expect to feel good in in the weeks and months um (laughs) in the build if if that's going to be your key priority in it can be challenging to, to put yourself out there on the start line still and, and not and not feel like you're racing you know you, you, your absolute best but um at the end of the day if it all comes together for the one that counts and that's really what matters yeah it puts a bit more pressure on it when you don't feel like everything's sort of gone to plan yeah. in the lead up but as long as you can 
keep, you know, maintain an open mind and say like this could still be a great day even though I haven't had any big confidence boosters lately. Uh, I think your um, motivation just grows within the race if you are feeling good. Yeah, definitely. And I can imagine that Melbourne would have been a really cool experience, um, you know, having lived there for the year and and training in the locations, actually racing on race day, being a lot more familiar with the course. And um, I'm sure, sure you had a lot of people out there cheering your name and, and rooting for you. <laughs> no, it, it was a good one. Um, so I'd started dating Dylan in 2014. So yes, was I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> moving away, but I'd already yeah. made that decision when yeah. we got together. And I remember he was there out on course cheering uh, on race day, which was Yeah, nice. So cool. you met Dylan at the 2014 City to Bay after party, didn't you? Yes. 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 So, so that was late September and then I moved in Jan. <laughs> yeah. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> You're no. welcome to come with me. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, we love Jill. It's good to see you guys <laughs> made it through that time. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I guess the next year, 2016, was the Rare Olympics um, where you placed 22nd in 231.44 and um, that, again, was a, a war marathon to run, um, an interesting place to travel to and another Olympic Games backing up from four years ago. So, yeah, how was that experience? The lead-up to Rio was pretty crazy. I mean, there was a lot of stress around the Zika virus yeah. and then just... You know, we were hearing things like the, the favelas are a really dangerous place. Make sure you remove all of your rings from your um, your fingers or they might, like, you might have one chopped off. Like, you were just hearing these wow. extreme things and thinking, yeah. oh, what's going on? But I, I'd i had a um, another metatarsal stress um, injury in the lead-up to Rio. This time around was really confident with the process that I had to follow I was up in Flagstaff actually with Riley your partner and he's a really good cross trainer so we were um creating these like two-hour cross training circuit sessions and just hitting the gym hard and it was hard not being able to run but I still felt like I got some really good training in came back and um yeah put the finishing in touches on prep went over to to Rio and it was a really challenging race but I remember at 21Ks just deciding to to push it and see what see what would happen and it was up there with one of the hardest races to finish but I remember mm-hmm. crossing the line feeling really satisfied like I knew that there was nothing more to give. Yeah. Was that a race where a lot of people also were dropping out like along the way? Um, Probably not as much as Moscow uh, but, yeah, certainly yeah, uh, there would have been a few dropouts. It was... Again, maybe a little bit later in the day, but perhaps like 10 a.m. or something, not the afternoon, but I remember there was that kind of harsh direct Mm. sun. So challenging. It really makes the marathon, which is already such a brutal race, um, yeah, even more challenging when you throw in the the conditions like heat and humidity. I was actually just laughing in my head because – when I got back from Nagoya just recently and I was considering jumping in the pool to do a, a, you know, an aqua jogging session instead of running because my hamstring was a bit sore and uh, Riley was telling me a story when you guys were at Flagstaff at that time um, doing hypoxic training. So you were like going under the water and holding your breath for like 30 seconds or something and then going as hard as you can, kicking 
for like 10 or 20 seconds um, trying to do this lap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was, I remember Dylan had done some hypoxic yeah. training, so he was trying to teach me about it, but yeah. it's not something that, <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure as a marathon runner. Like, if or um, at altitude where there yeah. is a great idea when you're already a bit hypoxic. Oh, so I can't funny. remember that, which probably shows how hypoxic I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My brain wasn't. Oh, I was just picturing it and just losing it in my head. <laughs> Um, the following year in 2017, you did the London Marathon uh, in April and you came 10th in 227.01. Um, and, and that reminds me that, you know, back in 2015, your Melbourne Marathon, that was actually quite a big PB at the time. I think that was your first time breaking 2.30 and you went mm. well under um, running in the 2.27. So um, a nice slice of your time there and uh, you lowered that again there in, in London Marathon. How was the experience of London Marathon in April and then subsequently doing the London World Championships um, later that year uh, where you placed ninth in 228.59, so two, two outings in London in one year. Yeah, I remember just being blown away by the London Marathon experience. It was my first world major and I just could not believe how big an event it was from, you know, the lead up to, you know, being in that hotel with the other athletes and how um, – well organized everything was and then uh, race day itself the support out on course uh, I really enjoyed it and after that I said to Adam I really want to do world champs this year so that I can race in London again because yeah. I loved it here so that was what prompted me to sort of put my name forward for the world champs I hadn't really worked out what I wanted to do that year in fact family was a big factor um sort of playing on my mind yeah. at that point I was starting to feel like I was ready to maybe settle down and try and have a baby, but the London fever kind of kicked in and I was like, no, I want to go to the world champs. And that was when the opportunity to go to St. Moritz presented mm -hmm. for the first time in my career because Jared Talent was heading up there and Adam said, would you be keen? And I fell in love with St. Moritz. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> it was place. an amazing training camp. <laughs> Yeah, I hope to get back there. Um, now that mum's been there last year, she's like, I hope we're going every year. I'm like, <laughs> me too, but uh, <laughs> not sure the budget can, uh, <laughs> can do that. Uh, but no, it's a great place to train and, yeah, we'll, we'll chat a bit later about it, but we were both there last year before the Commonwealth Games and um, obviously that was a, a nice place for you to, to get ready for such a great experience there. Uh, so, yeah, ninth place though at World Champs, definitely have to just stay on that for a sec because it's an incredible thing to go top 10 um you know at a world championships at that level that must have given you a real confidence boost that you were one of you know the best marathon runners in in, in the country in the world um and you were really right up amongst it and uh had a lot left you know in the tank to give and probably maybe prompted you to to put a pause on the on the pregnancy for a little while mm, well I've had a really injury free build up St Moritz I just was so hungry to train there because the trails are beautiful. Adam had yeah. to hold me back, if anything. I was full of motivation and I remember meeting with him a few days before the race and just saying, like, I feel like I'm in career best form. What should mm -hmm. I do? And he just said, stick with the front pack and see what you can do. And I went into the race with so much confidence, almost blind confidence, yeah, because I just wasn't afraid of the result. I was really happy with my fitness and I thought that's just – see um, what's possible and I dropped off the pack probably at around 20 something k's and I remember working back to it at 30 k's and then sort of being up there at the front with 
Amy Hastings Mm -hmm. and feeling quite good and kind of exciting myself, thinking, okay, 12Ks to go, um, let's just hang in there. But at the next water station, uh, 35Ks, there was a bit of a surge and I I lost touch then. Mm -hmm. And from that point onwards, it was just a let's hold my position and get to the finish line. I think I, I passed one person to get into ninth and I... Yeah, I, I remember crossing the line being really happy and uh, sort of just, I don't know, I was just in a really good mindset for that championship yeah. and um, was just up for the challenge and did come away just feeling really excited about the future. And, again, at that point it was like, okay, Commonwealth Games on home soil are just around the corner. Let's keep going for a bit longer. Yeah, no, it sounds like an amazing experience and, I think it's interesting because, you know, you did two races. It's the same course, London Marathon, as it was run at the World Champs. It was a different course. Different course, yeah. Okay. It was more of, I think it was three or four laps. Um, okay. It was quite hilly, actually. It was a challenging yeah, okay. course, uh, but, yeah, really good spectators. Yeah, because it was a couple minutes slower than what you'd run earlier in the year. But um, yeah. I assume that's, you know... Uh, but also, you know, you're racing out there. You're not you're not looking for a time. You're you're actually racing and trying to be in the mix of it, um, which is kind of a different experience. You're just kind of running as hard as you can and trying to, you know, run run a run a fast time. Um, and you know, you're running all these races back in the um, Asics Piranha or some sort of very <laughs> the, unsupportive um, shoe. <laughs> the DS. DS racer. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The piranha was for track races. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that name. Um, but yeah, but it's interesting, I guess, to know like the transition to um to the to the super shoes and look, I, I don't know how much they really affect our performance on race day, but they certainly help with recovery. Um but yeah, just looking back at the at the photos, even from you know those years and, and seeing the difference in shoes is pretty crazy. Mm. Yeah, it was funny because when I fell pregnant. Um, there weren't super shoes, ASICs didn't have super shoes and then uh, coming off pregnancy on the other side, suddenly all of these new shoes were available. (laughs) Yeah, good timing. (laughs) So 2018, as you said, yeah, Commonwealth Games coming up. Um, You ran the the Marigami Half Marathon um, early in the year and and ran a PB there of 110.59. So that still stands as your half marathon PB um, currently. Um, And I feel like that's something that you probably want to edge down um yeah Definitely. <laughs> you've you know it's it's a great time but I think anyone would say based on um you know your marathons and and how good you are as an athlete um you know that there's definitely more in the tank there and um you've run a lot of half marathons in your career um a lot within the 71 72 minute range and I'm sure that plenty of them were in marathon preps and maybe not you know your absolute max um and probably in heavy training but do you feel like you just haven't nailed it on race day yet in the half? For sure. It's an event that I'd really like to nail one day and sadly it, just, it hasn't come together. I think there'd be a lot of um, first half is a lot quicker than the <laughs> the second half um, results for me, particularly in 2022. I had two really good half marathon opportunities. One was in the lead up to the Birmingham Games and I was – really hoping to sort of sneak under 70 minutes and, uh, you know, halfway through ended up with some breathing or respiratory challenges, which is typical of me in a half marathon. Mm. There's something about that event. I get to around halfway and my breathing goes on me and 
you know, I'm aware there could be a psychological component, um, but I also, yeah, something that I'm trying to work out with the sports doctor in a marathon, I can run faster than I can in a half marathon. It doesn't really make sense. So I think maybe the fueling and drinking could have something to do with it. Um, Maybe I need to incorporate that into my half marathon. Maybe it's my um, pre-race fueling. I don't put as much emphasis on things in a half. There's something I've got to figure out because I just, I feel like I should be able to get a, a PV in that event and I haven't quite mastered it. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I mean, 70, what you've run is still great. And, uh, but I think that, yeah, of, of your calibre, we know there's more in the tank if you can, if you can nail it on race day. But as you said, like, um, while you do have great opportunities, like usually your intention, your focus is going to be the marathon that's coming up. So, you know, you kind of go into it a, a little bit relaxed about it, like could go either way. And if it's not quite as good as you want, well, it's just like stepping stepping along on um, the journey to the marathon that's coming up but I'm, I'm sure you give that a whack in in the next couple of years and, and be, able, be able to lower that <laughs> the commonwealth games which was um you know your your main one for that year you ended up winning the bronze there um and yeah had a pretty big year of marathoning in 2018 um but how was that experience winning the bronze um at the at the gold coast games i ended up being really happy with that bronze medal because it had been so tough out there. I went into the race. It looks so hard. <laughs> well, I, I was really chasing a, a gold medal and I had yeah. had a really smooth build-up, as I said earlier. That's probably the, the peak training I've ever achieved mm-hmm. in my career going into that event. And I'd actually been training in Karakalinga, staying oh, yeah. in your <laughs> house in yeah. the lead-up, and I, I was just – really enjoying my training. I probably wasn't, I don't think I nailed my hydration on race day. I was just having water and gels and I definitely think it was a day that warranted um, some more electrolytes. I also think I just didn't execute my race plan as well as I should have. The Mm -hmm. pace was very, very conservative early on and I I got a bit impatient and eager and uh, by 20, oh, I missed some gels in the second half of the race because my guts weren't feeling very good. And by 37 Ks, I just mm. I hit the biggest wall I've ever hit in a marathon and really only got to the finish because the crowd support was out of control. There are a lot of friends and family members, teammates yeah. out there, and I, I managed to hold on to the finish. But that's the um yeah, the most unwell and out of sorts I've I've felt after a marathon, I kind of look at that race and think that really showed me uh, how how deep I can dig and, and how hard I can push myself if I want to because I really had to go to a, a, a tough place to, to get to the finish line that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to to find that, I guess, and, and to know that, you know, how far you can go into yourself and how far you, you can really push it. It looked so hard just watching and I know it was hot and humid and, um, you know, really challenging out there. And, um, you know, you still cross the line smiling in that last 100 <laughs> metres. You had your, your your classic smile on. So obviously, you know, you you allowed the crowd and, and the atmosphere and, um, you know, the, the the weight of the race itself being a home games um, to kind of carry you through and it's incredible what that can do. Yeah, and so I guess when you have that A goal and you don't get that, but you know that you you pushed past a point mm. you thought was possible, like you can only be happy yeah. with that. 
and as you, and as you said, you, you go into it. Of course, you want to win gold when you're put in that position. But um, when you're out there and and that's not going to plan, like you know, you, you quickly um, find another reason to hang on. And and when you're in a medal position, still, um, you know, that becomes the goal to mm-hmm. you know to salvage the race for what it is. And um, yeah, so many things can go wrong in a marathon, and it sounds like you really had to battle with a lot of things that day. Did that change your hydration plan going forward for other races? It did. So I ended up feeling really motivated to run another marathon just to see what my fitness would equate to because I didn't feel like that day really showed um, where I was from a fitness perspective given my lead up. So I ended up doing the Gold Coast Marathon in in July. So yeah. the Com Games had been in April. So three months and I yeah, really revisited my hydration strategy and worked closely with the sports dietitian. That was a huge focus going into mm-hmm. the Gold Coast Marathon um, a few months later. Yeah, it's interesting because even for me doing Nagoya, it was only 22 degrees, but it was a lot warmer than I'd anticipated. I think they were saying 12 degrees. So, you know, after the race, I, I kind of thought, maybe that's even a temperature that I should be thinking about, you know, electrolytes or mm. salt tablets or something yeah. like, something other than just getting in um, water and gels, or you know, or yeah. um, mix or whatever it is you're taking on. So certainly the more experience you have, the more you can, um, you know, tweak your fueling and hydration for those different um, conditions. Yeah, just knowing that you can't um, roll out the same plan every time. You do yeah. have to adjust it the the weather that's predicted and sometimes the weather that's predicted is different to what you get on the day and you have to quickly adjust in the moment so it is tough we'd all love just like a recipe that you can follow each time I know I know I'm sure they use the same powerpoint um and the goy this year from previous years because it said 12 degrees and then I was like I'm sure they know they must know something I don't know and like look I I know 22 is not not anywhere near some of the conditions you've experienced, but I think that mentality of just expecting it to be not as to not be warm and then it is is like kind of throws you off. Yeah, well, when you think the year I did it, um, my first year in 2012, I think it was nine degrees, and yeah. I would say that was the ideal conditions for yeah. the marathon. So 22 is yeah, not yeah. ideal. <laughs> my, my gloves and arm warmers definitely weren't used. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but as you said, so you did the three months later, you did the Gold Coast Marathon. Um, I believe you were second overall but first Australian there. Is that right? Yep. Um, and you ran 221.31, so just uh, 226. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sinead, you don't have the record. <laughs> Sorry, misread, 226.31, um, but still an incredible PV at the time. Um, so you must have been pretty pleased with that, um, which certainly showed that you had the fitness there um, when you kind of had the right race. Did everything go right on that day? Did you, your new plan kind of work a bit better? I'd say, yeah, at that point in my career, it felt like everything went right. I remember the final stages again being really tough. Um, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> one thing I remember was at the end of the race in the final kilometre or so, I couldn't, like my head was tipped back and yeah. I could not bring my chin down. I've never really experienced anything like that in a race before. So that was new for me. Uh, so I sort of thought maybe I need to get a bit stronger here. And uh, But otherwise, you know, everything went well. I actually completed that race thinking, okay, I feel satisfied. I, I think I want to have a bit of a break mm-hmm. for a while. And Dylan and I had planned a trip to Europe for a, a few months just to step out of the, you know, our normal lifestyles and see a bit of the world before maybe 
um, settling down and having um, children and or a baby, should I say, and this opportunity came up to run the Toronto Marathon and it just worked out. It was sort of at the end of the trip. I've got family, like relatives in in Canada. So uh, I ended up tacking that onto the end of the trip. And so that was a bit of a bonus marathon in 2018. Yes. Um, that was, to be honest, really hard to train for because yeah. it hadn't really been on my radar. We were over in Europe and kind of just juggling just having lots of fun and being tourists with mm. trying to train uh that was a tough prep in that I was really just having to try and find motivation to to get out there I had Susan Crummins um in in the Netherlands where we were sort of staying or based which was good but it was again just a very different experience not being around my teammates getting ready for a marathon yeah but you run a big PB. 22559 um and came fourth did you yeah and that i mean it was a very cool day so the conditions yeah. were great and although i was on my own for a lot of the race it was just this pressure free mm. experience i remember just feeling really happy and relaxed out mm. there it was just dylan running around cheering for me i didn't really know anyone else so there was kind of nothing to lose but i definitely had this sense at the end of that race like I think I've got more to give one day, but for now I'm ready to have a break. break like, yeah. I just I felt mentally probably more than physically mm. exhausted from the year. Well, three marathons in one year um, and before the, the super shoes. Uh, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty draining, um, yeah, not just physically but mentally, the, the preparing, the recovering from and, you know, all the emotions that go into, into each build up and into each race mm. um do you think though that your somewhat more relaxed style of training while you're away like played into that really positive result on the day because you weren't like I guess so um yeah it was just just more relaxed preparation even though you were struggling a bit with motivation and kind of planning and all that it definitely showed me the power of not thinking about the outcome. I mm. went into that race without really knowing what I wanted from it. I just let it play out and really focused on effort. So I think learning the value of that has really helped me um, in, you know, the years to follow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and as you said, you were ready for a break after that race and and you came back and uh, Billy was born in November 2020. Sorry, 2019. Uh, so that was, yeah, a new stage for you and Dylan with a baby. Mm-hmm. How was that? Um, I guess, how was your experience of running through pregnancy? Well, as I said, I was feeling pretty mentally burnt out. And I, I think it was really nice to just step back from the heavy training for a while. One, to be able to fall pregnant. And mm-hmm. then through pregnancy, I was jogging pretty casually, had some like pain in my pubic symphysis area at 14 weeks and so was prompted to find a gym near home and that's when I um, started a partnership with the Next Generation Gym. I remember we um, actually caught up there a couple of times when I was new to the whole, um, you know, water running scene and just ended up discovering podcasts through that phase and loved the process of just putting a good podcast in my ears and cross-training and I think that time away from running meant that by the time I gave birth and was was ready to run again, I was just so hungry for mm. it. Uh, motivation hasn't been a, a problem since. So uh, it was a really uh, positive 
yeah, the experience for me. Yeah, it sounds um, very similar to a lot of the women I've spoken to, um, you know, about having having children and having that kind of, you know, forced time away at, at one level, but, you know, a choice, making that choice of, of getting pregnant and stepping away and um, I guess changing your perspective a little bit and becoming a little more um, relaxed in your approach to training and and yeah the motivation seems to to be much higher when you when you come back and you've had that little time away. Mm. Um, well, you got straight back into it. Um, I was lucky to be uh, training with you a little bit through that time when you were getting back into training and we had Billy out there at the uni loop and it was fun <laughs> fun to see his his growth uh, over the first couple of years of his life and. Um, you, you quickly got back into it, but it sounds like you had a few setbacks with injury um, coming off giving birth. Is that right? Well, I got through that first year, which is I've been talking a bit to Trent Stellingworth, mm-hmm. um, who is an exercise physiologist in Canada. His wife has uh, been through you know, pregnancy whilst yeah. training and we learned a lot from him and he emphasised the, I guess, heightened risk of bone stress injuries in that first 12 months after giving birth and I was breastfeeding Billy through that period so I was aware that I was you know um draining a lot of my resources and burning a lot of energy um and that could compromise recovery so it was a bit of a strange year because of COVID so a lot of races were cancelled anyway Mm -hmm. we still had a few little domestic race opportunities which were good and and kept me in touch with that race sort of fitness but my big goal ended up being a marathon in um, early 2021, which it was just a couple of weeks before that, I think, when I, I realised that the pain I was experiencing was a, a femoral stress um, mm. fracture. Yeah, so unfortunate and, uh, yeah, it's definitely hard when we're on the um, the brink of injury when we're training and, and coming off pregnancy too and, and giving birth. Your body just, as you said, you know, giving, giving so much and, and it's, uh, I guess, somewhat fragile in that time so mm-hmm. yeah disappointing and but I remember again it was one of those situations where we um, had gastro it was a bit of a child care illness I think oh. and I just think that could be that was probably the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back you balance you're on this fine line and then you have something that tips you over and just drains mm-hmm. your resources even a, a bit more so that really taught me the importance of when you're unwell, like taking more time than you you think you need just to recharge. And uh, so you definitely learn a lot along the way um, through that, you know, the parenthood. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And and I know that, you know, it would have been disappointing to miss the 2021 as it was um, Olympics after going to the two previous ones. But um, I I guess uh, with having Billy in 2019, you probably almost – thought it would be quite a challenge to get back for 2020 and and then when it got postponed there was kind of that that um excitement to have that extra year to 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 maybe work towards it but yeah unfortunately um with the injury and and coming off giving birth you weren't able to to put your um your hat in the ring um but you switched focus to do um what was on offer still in that in that COVID year and you did the Perth marathon in October of 2021 um and I know you had a bit of a niggle or an injury maybe eight weeks before the marathon um but mm. you you got through that and ran 225 15 so um yeah another 40 so seconds off your pb um and to do that in 
what really looked like a local fun run. Uh, I know you were, <laughs> you were paced by your teammate, Matt Clark, um, to, to, you know, a good way, good way of the race, 32 Ks or so, but still, you know, the hardest part is running that last 10 K on your own. So yeah. H- how was that experience at the Perth Marathon? Well, I think being at home for the Olympics was amazing because I got to see the excitement that it brought to everyone here. Yeah. And because a lot of people were locked down, just I remember the newspapers everywhere and wherever you'd go, you'd hear people talking about, you know, the the Olympians and it really got me excited and, and hungry to run for Australia again because I, I got to see firsthand that impact that it has mm-hmm. on, you know, the local community. So it was very fun cheering for, for you all and, um, you know, just introducing Billy to the Olympics from the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went into Perth pretty fired up and excited. I, again, was just pretty grateful to be racing with so many cancellations and having Matt Clark there, as you said, was was it was actually fun. Like I just remember lining up and it was a, a case of arriving at the race sort of area and, you know, you just walk out to the start line. It was just so low-key compared yeah. to recent marathon experiences. It was actually really refreshing very and chill. um yeah no it was uh, a very enjoyable race experience just with you know um locals to celebrate with afterwards yeah no it looked like a lot of fun and yeah as you said especially in that time where everything was kind of touch and go to actually get um that race um get to the start line and actually run it would have been like pretty pretty exciting um and then to have the the outcome that you did too which was fifth all time at the time um australian um all, ever um and still sits as your personal best yeah, yeah yeah I was I guess that's what I was aiming for I was surprised to achieve it but as well I did I had been feeling stronger in my mm. sessions and my paces were lower than they ever than they had been before so I had a few indicators in training to suggest that I'd be able to maintain that sort of 326 ish 27 or whatever pace but you Mm -hmm. just don't know if you're going to be able to hold on to it after you know 30k 35k Mm -hmm. so it was uh yeah a result that sort of gave me confidence going forward. Do you feel like the 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 mum strength strength as they say um kicked in uh, there, like I don't know whether it's you know actually a hormonal thing or if it's just you know uh, having a newborn, dealing with sleepless nights, being a little more um, change of perspective um, that gives you mums that strength to really dig deep and and perform even better than you have before. I think yeah, from a mental perspective, definitely. There's when the going gets tough, you've just got so many reasons mm. to keep going and it's hard to know you know how much of a role footwear and those things yeah, play because that was my first marathon wearing the the new you know shoe technology yeah. as well so definitely um and then I guess yeah going into 2022 um pre-com games you had a pretty amazing year you ran the the Lawny 10 you won that in 31 49 which was an outright 10k pb for you and second at the Gold Coast half in 71 35 and um yeah then Birmingham Commonwealth Games I think everyone in Australia knows uh gold medalist at the marathon mm-hmm. um just an incredible result before we touch on the actual race itself um I was lucky enough to be in St Moritz for the build-up for my Commonwealth Games experience too and got to share a few runs with you there and I know it wasn't all um 
you know, great leading in for you. You actually got COVID um, at St. Roots and, and that really knocked you around for, for quite a few days there. Yeah, COVID was interesting. So I think we caught it on the um, the flight over. Mm. So I think I tested positive on the Saturday. We'd arrived on the Tuesday. So basically had from Saturday until Saturday of just walking, eventually did some little jogs towards the end and then did my um, sort of Sunday long run was my first bigger run post-COVID. And I remember feeling strong in that and not feeling restricted from a respiratory perspective in any way. So I just sort of took it as, okay, I've just had a good week to sort of rest Mm -hmm. and recharge. It doesn't feel like there are any lingering effects from COVID. Uh, Let's put that behind us now. The scariest part of COVID for us was Billy catching it over in a foreign country without your familiar doctors and and he was um yeah pretty unwell for a few days there so that was that was certainly tough yeah and I know the athletes are able to get like the antiviral onto it pretty quickly but when you've got a kid you know who's sick and they're struggling and you know they they can't fully communicate their needs it's pretty must be pretty challenging yeah and I think that the other challenge was just even though I would have cleared the COVID by the time I moved into the village, there was a chance that I might still test positive. positive, So those logistical factors that we had to put kind of weigh up and make sure I was um, getting all of the appropriate paperwork to prove when I had COVID, that was a bit scary too, imagining like being rejected because you've had COVID in the past. (laughs) What was more stressful though, that or losing your shoes? Oh, yeah. So what happened with your shoes? So I did a session. It was my first session in St. Moritz. So pre-COVID, yeah. touched down on the Thursday, as a, uh, Tuesday, as I said. I did a session on the Thursday, I think. Left them with Jill, who was with Billy when I went to do my cool down. They were near a cafe and I think Billy was running off and Jill must have just popped them down on a chair at the cafe, went and chased after Billy, completely forgot about the shoes, I got back to our room after my session, never thought about asking about the shoes. We caught COVID, we're in isolation for a week. I went to do my first session back, you know, the following week and this was um, just we were starting to get ready to head um, into <laughs> into the UK and I was like, dude, I can't find my race flats anywhere and he kind of went quiet and um yeah anyway just said oh I just got to head out for a bit (laughs) it turns out he was like running around St Maroons went to the police station I think he suddenly remembered what might have happened he went to the cafe and asked them and they said that they'd the shoes had been sitting there for a week and then they just disappeared so (laughs) I think Stephen Scullion said he saw them like every day and and then they just weren't there So we organised our friends, the Sonia and Nick Samuels, they got onto a running store in Loughborough and were able to order a pair in and then we, ASICs, were eventually able to. So we ended up um, getting two pairs that I got, I think, a couple of days on the Wednesday before the race because I was able to wear them once um, to wear them in before the race. (laughs) I forgot to tell you off air when I got on, but this morning I did one of my first sessions back um, at Botanic since my marathon and we leave our shoes there every time over the last three years. We had three pairs of shoes and two tops stolen today. Oh, wow. And like I I run five laps around there 
Um, and I didn't realize until Riley got back and was like, oh, I got, I finished after Riley and he said, did you move the shoes? And I said, no. And then, yeah, as it turns out, someone's come along taking yeah. my pair, my shoes are wrecked. Like I bury my shoes. They so must be planning luck. to sell them because obviously three different sizes, yeah. like you're not going to be able to wear them all. I know, I know. But yeah, Those crazy. sweaty tops and yeah, watch out for shoes. <laughs> oh, well, someone, someone must need them more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in the race itself, um, it was beautiful to see like you, Sinead, Elsie, you really worked together. Um, it looked like there was a lot of camaraderie out there. I mean, we all know in the marathon, like, it's you against the distance. Um, you know, you can be supportive of the people you're racing against because at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, um, yeah, who, who's got it over the last 10 or so Ks. Um, and on the day it was you, you broke away and, and were with, uh, the two other, um, other runners who ended up coming second and third. And, um, you were just incredible to watch. Like we all had tears in our eyes watching you <laughs> like get up over those hills so well and just smiling and looking so strong. And yeah, I, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it now because it was just anyone who watched it just knows what an incredible race uh, you put on. And you certainly are a very consistent performer. And I think I said before, like you, you definitely rise when you have an Australian top on. So yeah. How, how was that race for you, Jess? It was a really enjoyable race experiences. I think the race experience, the connection, like Elsie, Sinead and I, and you know, the boys had, we just had a lot of laughs in the mm-hmm. days leading up to it. And even just in the warm up on race day, I think it was, Elsie had a ridiculous size um, pants. They were way too big for her and they were just falling down the whole warm-up and it was really fun just being able to, you know, share those usually very nerve-wracking moments with the girls. We were um, putting ice towels on and then wore the ice vests out to the race start line and felt really united and uh, as the race sort of progressed, we were able to just exchange a few words here and there provide each other reassurance sort of say okay the rate the pace is stalling like who wants to take it this time all right I'll have a go on the front like all those sorts of things that made us just feel like we're out here together as a team and um from 30ks I was feeling uh like I'd been able to conserve you know as much energy as possible in those early stages so I did feel like I was in a position to start um winding up the pace and knew that it was going to be hard in the final stages. I didn't realise quite how hard it would be because we hadn't been able to cite that part of or drive or um, run on that part of the course. But I wasn't actually thinking too much about the outcome, which was a big difference from 2018. I really was thinking about the bit of road ahead of me and mm-hmm. what was coming up. So I think that protected me from having any, you know, panic or or worry about what was happening it was literally just okay what's around this corner let's get up this hill and I did notice um the breathing of the the athletes around me and um that gave me confidence because I could tell that once we hit those hills um the other girls were starting to to tire and I think that's always you know it gives you some good momentum and Certainly having Dylan and Billy and other family and um, friends out there uh, was a always a burst of energy to run past them. And the final stages are all a bit of a blur because the the noise out there was was louder than I'd expected and the course was just so technical that you really had to just concentrate on on your footing and what you were doing. So to see that finish line was 
a huge relief and this sudden realisation what was happening. So that, again, was quite an emotional moment, but also I'd say it was just shock and elation crossing the line. I, I honestly didn't know what to do or or where to go, and I, I didn't think that Dylan and Billy would be there, um, but, but somehow they'd managed to get in a vehicle and, and get to the finish line. So it was really cool to share that moment with them and, and also Adam. Yeah, God, that that last hill looks so tough. Uh, <laughs> but you were just relentless. Like you just had so much power and strength. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it was hard and you were struggling internally, but you look so poised um, and really quite controlled from the outside. And, yeah, to see you cross the finish line and to see Dill and, and Billy there was pretty special. And, yeah, I'm sure that's just a memory you'll never forget. And it sounds like, you know, being very process-oriented in that race worked for you, like you could really enjoy it and, um, you know, not get too caught up on on the result that was coming, but just, you know, get through each each segment of the course in front of you. And yeah, what an incredible, what an incredible mm. experience. And I did feel in control. It wasn't a situation where I doubted that my legs would be able to carry me. Some of the races I've talked about beforehand, the Rio Olympics, the 2018 Com Games, I was definitely worried that my legs might just crumble underneath me and that I wouldn't get to the finish. But I always felt like I had enough in me to get to the finish line, which was a really nice feeling as well. Yeah. And you obviously, um, you know, carry that fitness post this race um, into the rest of the year because you came back to Adelaide and you ran um, a road 5K PB at Fitzy's 5 running uh, 15.29 and and then you went into the New York Marathon where you placed ninth in 2.27.27 in really quite hot and humid conditions. So um, do you feel like, you know, even with that COVID interruption for the week, you were just in a really good spot that, you, you know, you kind of carried that fitness through for the rest of the year? Yeah, again, I was fortunate to have a really um, smooth lead into New York, apart from like maybe a cold here. And I didn't have any injuries. So I was able to tick off every train training session, which is always really reassuring. And again, um, Elsie and I still got to work as a bit of a team out there. And although the field was broken up, um, well, we, we were separated from the field pretty early it's one of those races where you have so many people out there just screaming oh, crazy, at you. Yeah. you've always got something to use to distract yourself if your your mind's um, going to a bad place and I really enjoyed the course I found the final um you know parts of that race incredibly tough but Honestly, I think any any marathoner should try and do New York. It was unreal. <laughs> yeah, I've been on I've been on course of the marathon um, twice when I was living over there, and it, I think that probably first spurred me on to think about the marathon back then. Is it was just I couldn't believe how loud and how how many people there were around the whole course because I got it around the course to watch my mum run, and yeah, it, it's definitely on the bucket list. And I think that yeah, anyone who's a uh, who, who likes their running should certainly um yeah look at it because it does just look incredible aside yes. from the, the challenging hills of course yeah it was probably um a bit hillier than I expected to be honest but I just know if I do it again I'll, I'll prepare a bit more mm. specifically for those hills yeah and when you fit you fit so it seems like even without too much specific preparation um you know you, you got over them well <laughs> I think it seems like you were very smart in your approach to having COVID too before com games like it can be very challenging for athletes whether it's COVID or just a cold or you know, a niggle just to keep feeling like they have to push through when they've got a goal coming up. But it sounds like you were pretty level-headed and just accepted the fact that you needed to take a step back. And um, by doing so, that really kind of like helped you, um, you know, get back to it quickly and and, and not really be um, impacted by that time off at all. 
Mm, I think that's a case of just learning from previous mistakes. Yeah. As I said, a couple of times I've been um, ill and didn't probably respect it enough and it's led to an injury and <laughs> so you realise it is just better taking taking the time off and yeah. if anything you'll be a bit more recharged and motivated when you can run. I'm sure that would have been hard though being in a place like St Moritz and, yeah. <laughs> and being around other people who are, you know, training and, and just um, feeling the days tick away. I, I feel like Dylan would have been a very good sounding board during that time though. He's very level-headed. Yeah, no, he was great and he is the one who pulls me back uh, mm -hmm. a lot <laughs> um, when I'm being a keen bean and I just yeah. need to be told, like, just settle down, you'll be all right, have another day. But we also were in accommodation, which was really, um, there was a lot of natural light. We could open up the windows. That really helped yeah. as well. We could, like, look out over the mountains it was a bit cruel because we were overlooking the playground. So Billy had to oh. look out and he couldn't go and play with his little mates like Elsie's kids. And But yeah, uh, we were eventually back out there. So hard. Um, I just wanted to ask you before we start to wrap up, um, like how do you find the difference in um, racing a women's only marathon versus like a race where you've got um, other men around you? Like you've done it all really now. And I guess what are the different challenges of those two different races? I think just the lack of people around you at times mm. in the women's only races. When you're in uh, a race with with men and women, there just tend to be more packs and people around that you can just sort of jump jump on the back of a, a pack and switch off. But I find in a women's only race, um, there will be times when you're probably going to be on your own mm. and there are times when you're in a pack but you're constantly thinking about the people around you and whether they you know, seem uh, fresher than you or not, you're comparing, whereas with the men there's not that kind of threat yeah. and tendency to compare as much. You've been so consistent though, like, you know, even in races where you've got people to run with or you're out on your own, it's a mixed race, it's women's only, like, yeah, you've kind of run, um, you know, around that 226 to 27 mark many times in so many different conditions. So, yeah, I guess your consistency is something that um, we can all strive to be like. <laughs> I think it, a lot of it comes down to um, the mindset you take into the race and just your ability to stay calm mm. in moments where you could panic. I think I've learned now that you can you'll feel bad at some points in the race, but you can come through that. It doesn't mean it's all downhill from there. I I tend to go through good and bad patches in a race, so I don't get too scared when I'm feeling really average at any point in a race because I'm like that's all right I'm like I'll hopefully get through this and <laughs> but I can see how early in a marathoner's career that could be really daunting yeah definitely what what would be um I guess one piece of advice that you would like to share with other people or that that's helped you in your own career that someone else has shared with you oh that's a really I'm sure you've been you've been given a lot and you could probably <laughs> say a lot of things but just something you know simple that's kind of helped you in, in your career I just think if you go into a race knowing your reasons and like what really gets you going and what helps you to get the most out of yourself, you can get through anything because at some point in the race, it is going to get really hard. I think you need to go in a race expecting that, but just embracing the challenge, but having some strategies ready for those moments, particular person you might be thinking about or whatever, you know, brings meaning um, to, to what you're doing for you and will help you to um, find that extra bit of motivation. So even looking at the course or going over 
going over it the day beforehand and thinking, okay, I think this is going to be a challenging point in the race. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think about this here and actually prepared. like preempting some strategies. Yeah, definitely. And and as he said, not expecting to feel good the whole way because yeah, um, you can still you can still feel pretty crappy and and come good or, or vice versa. So yeah, definitely that's a really good mindset. Um, I guess the future for you, um, you know, running is slowing down a bit now. Um, the 2024 Olympics are not out of the question, but they'll definitely be a challenge. Um, and I guess everyone has a different pregnancy, has a different birth. So, um, I'm sure you'll uh, do what's best for you and, and return postpartum, um, in a way that, you know, that feels right at the time. You just have to see how that, how that fits into racing. Yeah. Um, what are you excited about going forward though? I do feel like I've got more to give and I'd, I'd love to run for Australia again. It will just be a matter of when the time is right. I'm really excited knowing that whatever happens, like we have got a really strong um, women's marathoning group at the moment and uh, there will be strong teams being sent because we've just got the depth mm, and definitely. it's it's really exciting. We're all challenging um, each other but we're able to also work together to get the best result for our country and so I guess I'm excited about tackling some personal goals knowing that there's a really good group to do that with. Mm. Yeah definitely and um, are there any bucket list goals you know races you'd like to set on the calendar in the the next few years? I'd love to do Berlin Marathon one day. I was um, planning to do Boston um, but will not be ready to run a marathon yeah. in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, that would be another fun one more just from a, a real like just tactical race perspective. I think it would be quite a challenging course. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to run PBs as well uh, mm-hmm. over the half marathon and marathon distances, even the shorter ones yeah. if possible. And you've yeah, indicated- hopefully there will be the opportunity to do that. <laughs> yeah, you've indicated that there's definitely um, you've got some good speed there in that 10K on the road so certainly um be excited to see you you whip out some shorter races as well uh what does trading kind of look like just briefly i guess you know now in the second trimester how are things tracking and uh and what are you kind of like where are you at now so the last week i think we were visiting my sister in oruru uh last friday so if i go sort of friday to friday i think i went for Oh, I, my six-year-old niece came out on the bike and we just did a little run on the country road. Oh. So um, I think 40 minutes or so. And then um, I took it pretty easy on Saturday, did a 70-minute long run yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. And then Monday I was back in Adelaide, did a bit of a combo treadmill elliptical session mm-hmm. followed by some strength and conditioning. And so I think it was like... 20 minutes on the treadmill and then maybe 30 or 40 on the elliptical. Tuesday, I would usually run with the group. What did I do that day? I think I just went for a jog because everyone's getting ready for nationals yeah, this week. Yeah, of course, yeah. And then on Wednesday, I did, um, I had this um, radio thing early in the morning in the city so I ran like three k's to that yeah so I didn't have to park in the city <laughs> and then ran home and then I ended up Perfect. doing a little elliptical in the afternoon and then yesterday I planned to do a bit of a session got out there thinking I'd do four kind of broken 1k reps and started and decided to stop at 400 and changed it to just a few 400s yeah. and then jumped back to the gym I just wasn't <laughs> feeling it some days in pregnancy you just yeah. feel lethargic but then felt really good today so I ended up um, going for a 
an hour jog and really enjoyed it. But generally I haven't been feeling that um, I just, running just feels different. It's hard yeah. to describe. You just feel a bit heavier legged and um, sometimes it doesn't matter what pace you're running, it, it just feels hard. So I think I'll be progressing to more and more cross training. Mm-hmm. I also did a um, Pilates session with Alice Bequee on Wednesday night which was good um she's got a couple of pregnant athletes who she's doing classes with so well when it gets hard remember you are growing a baby inside you so it's a pretty (laughs) pretty amazing thing and and definitely stressful on the body but yeah it sounds like you know you're still getting some good training in and um you know while the motivation um to really push yourself um you know not really there as much and, and understandably um it's good to get some different variety in and I hope that things keep tracking along for you and you can keep enjoying yourself and, and moving and feeling good thank you yeah certainly I, I don't see any harm in stepping away from running for a while because it definitely makes you hungry on the yeah. other side well <laughs> as, as you've already experienced it you know it can be a really positive thing to do to kind of um, boost you into the next next round it's been so great catching up with you, Jess. Um, you know, while it's over Zoom, hopefully I'll see you, see you soon in person again for a coffee soon. But yeah, I really appreciate Sounds you taking good. the time today. And I know a lot of people um, will definitely um, enjoy tuning in to hear a bit more about the races you've done and, and your career. And we're all very excited for you and your family um, with your new arrival towards the end of this year. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more running and racing in the tank for you. And yeah, very excited for the coming years and hopefully lining up alongside you as well. <laughs> no, thanks, Izzy. And all the best to you too. I hope someone gets to interview you for this series as well. <laughs> oh, that could be on the cards. We'll see. <laughs> thanks so much, Jess. We'll chat soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again, Prep, for supporting this episode. Head over to www.preptydration.com.au to try Prep today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. 